Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the theme and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. <laughs> yeah, you are. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Takanoko. That's right, Takanoko. Takanoko. I really enjoy this game. I love saying Takanoko. It's a fun one. This is actually one of the earliest games I used to get my partner kind of interested in playing games because it's it's very approachable and it's also incredibly cute. Yes, it's adorable. So the game basically is you're, you're setting up an irrigation system in a, like a, you're a farmer, kind of, but you're also a panda, but you're setting up an irrigation system <laughs> and growing... Bamboo. Bamboo, and you are trying to match it with, like, goal cards. Yeah, essentially. You get points if you match the goal cards. Exactly. You're trying to either create X number of green bamboos or, or yellow bamboos, or you're trying to eat X number of green bamboos or yellow bamboos, <laughs> depending on if you're feeling panda-y or gardener-y. Mm. Um, and you go back and forth until one person essentially hits enough objectives, secret mm-hmm. objectives, and like the end of the game triggers. What I like about it, though, is you actually have like little pieces of bamboo that you can stack on top of each other. So like if you're playing the game for a little while, it looks like you have a little colorful bamboo forest. It looks really cool. It's really cute. So with that being said, uh, with the theme of Takanoko being pandas eating bamboo, we are going to talk about these cuddly old bears. <laughs> And bears is actually a great word to use right away, Mike, because we have to settle some things real quick about the panda. The giant panda. Yeah, that's that's how actually it should be referred to, but we pretty much have just adopted panda at this point. But it's important to note, it is a bear. For a while, they didn't know what it was, and scientists were like, well, we're not sure what it is, but they finally settled that it is a bear. They don't act like <laughs> bears, or at least most of the bears that we're familiar with in that ursine family. They they really don't seem like it, but they are, in fact, bears. Yes, uh, and they're only distantly related to the far superior red panda. Uh, yeah, they, they share both... a name. Yeah. But that's when it kind of starts to deviate. <laughs> they don't share anything else. Uh, well, they both have a thumb. Oh, yeah. Sort of. Uh, but it allows them to grab food. So that's how they're able to grab their bamboo. There's a great gif online, if you love red pandas, by the way, of one reaching in and grabbing a piece of sushi and eating it. I just recommend trying to find that if you can. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Along with some other adorable panda videos. <laughs> so get a chance to watch that. Uh, so how did pandas get their name? Yes, exactly. Let's let's talk about this, this goofy name and this goofy, goofy animal. Because it's not exactly clear how pandas got their name, especially when you consider like the strange overlap with the red panda. Because panda is an English word. At least that's how it's referred to in English. And it came from some French word. It has some French origin. But again, somehow nobody knows exactly where that came from. Uh, in Nepal, the word ponya refers to the wrist bone that red pandas have, allowing them to grab the food. Uh, and that might be part of the origin. But the term panda is just what we use to call red pandas. Uh, giant pandas, instead, they have a translated Latin name, which translates into black and white cat-footed animal. Yeah, it's, it's like, like you said, panda, that word was reserved for red pandas yeah. for like a long time until only surprisingly recently we decided, no, we're going to just call this one panda instead. And now this one is red panda. Yeah, it must be the face. 
the like, similarity I mean, of this. Yeah, they're distant cousins, but it probably was just the face that was like, no, this is Panda. No, this is Panda. Right. <laughs> and in China, where these these creatures are, are native, they have a lot of names. They have like 20 different names that are all <laughs> along the lines of something like Bamboo Bear or Spotted Bear or some form of the concept of Bear Cat or Big Bear Cat. <laughs> they never do what you want them to do. You see a lot of those videos of the zoo keepers trying to keep these pandas in check or just trying to feed and they never they were like pushing them in one direction but they don't care pushing one direction they're doing something that you don't want them they're falling all over the place flopping off of uh falling out of trees (laughs) so what's a panda that's a crazy question but i guess what's a panda with you oh mike i'm sorry Uh. but it's important to i guess specify what we mean by a panda because there is that misunderstanding or that misconception and is it related to the red panda and yeah so let's let's just quickly clarify what do we mean by panda the black and white big furry creature right it's like four to six feet long tall however you want to see them i i guess that's how long they are. If they stand, I normally see pandas sitting. So oh yeah, I think that's why I always think of them. They're like they're like six feet tall. They're the size of like a normal human being, uh, if they're just sitting, just a really large human being. Uh, and except they weigh a little bit more. Uh, they weigh about three hundred and fifty pounds. While females, they range from anywhere between one hundred and fifty to two hundred and seventy-five. Yeah, it's it's a much bigger range in in the weight spectrum for the female pandas than it is for the pretty much just big fat, lazy male pandas. (laughs) And as we mentioned earlier, they have a thumb. This is one of the things that actually distinguishes them from other bears in the ursine family. I never thought about thumbs on a bear. Like, bears don't have thumbs. They just have, like, paws with claws. Right. And it's, it's, we shouldn't say thumb and make you think, like, they have this, like, opposable thumb. They have a bone that comes out of the wrist and then it doesn't it doesn't bend the same way that our thumbs do or that like a, a monkey's thumbs do but it does help it grip food and when we talk about food we're very very specifically talking about bamboo 99% of what they eat is bamboo but we'll get to about them eating cuz that's a whole nother story it is uh so they're black and white mainly for camouflage in the day they're white they can blend in they're night, they're black, they can blend in. It's just a double camouflage situation. And they're from a, like a surprisingly cool and mountainous area mm-hmm. by origin. So that camouflage does make more sense when you consider where it came from. But nowadays when you see it just in the middle of a, a green zoo space, you, you see it immediately. <laughs> no hiding. So uh, it seems silly that we described it because everyone seems to know what a panda is, Right. But since we introduced it in the Western world, that's how we know it. And the first time that happened was actually in 1869. So that surprised me because I was thinking it like people knew about it long, long before that since it's such like a national symbol for China. But it was a, it, a French missionary was given a panda pelt in 1869. And the first live sighting by a panda was a West or was a uh, by a Westerner was a German. A zoologist in 1916. So that's like 50 years between seeing a pelt and actually seeing one in real life. Yeah, and a hu- that 100 years ago. Right. Yeah. That, that's the first time someone from the Western world actually saw a live panda, which is, that was 
mind-blowing to me. I had assumed that we were aware of this creature for far longer, but it's a relatively recent thing, which is why there was all the conflu... Con- Confusion. The confusion <laughs> about the name and and how it got associated with the red panda from the same region, from Nepal, that kind of mountainous region. Mm-hmm. And now we're from Chicago, or we live here now, uh, and this is something that I did not think was going to come up in the research for mm-hmm. this, but the Field Museum in Chicago, they funded an expedition for Teddy Roosevelt to get a panda, and so he shot a panda to bring back. I know. Not so great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rough start for Chicago's relationship yeah. with pandas. But in 1936, the first panda was brought back to the Western world, uh, and it was housed in the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. So, I mean, who knew? First panda. Uh, it was actually housed in the Western world. Yeah, here, right? Right outside our, our door, essentially. In the, in the middle of the country instead of, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's... That's why it's important to, I guess, describe what is a panda, because that was not that long ago, 1936 compared to now. So pandas, relatively recent phenomenon, at least here in the Western world. They have been long since revered in uh, in, in China and in Japan and the, the kind of surrounding area. But yeah, new, new thing for us. <laughs> pandas, who knew? <laughs> So in the game Takenoko, the, there's actually a little comic that describes the story of oh, the game. Yeah. And essentially the Japanese emperor is gifted a panda from China. And you we are playing the roles of both the panda but also the, the gardener of the bamboo, the garden that has to like maintain and make sure that the panda doesn't eat it all, but also make sure that the panda is happy. And it's a very funny comic and it's a fun concept. But that actually happened. That was something that... China would do. They would send pandas to Japan as a sort of sign of goodwill uh, to maintain a, a healthy or at least neutral relationship with Japan. And modern China did this too. And that's called panda diplomacy. That's right. Uh, so it was used in 1970 to where the pandas were gifted to American and Japanese zoos. The gifting policy eventually went away and instead China started loaning out pandas for 10-year contracts. And I think... Every panda now is still owned by China. Mm-hmm. Like there is no panda in the world that isn't besides obviously the red panda. But... <laughs> yeah, it's it's a clause in the contract that any cubs that are born are owned by China. They, It's purely a loaning process now. Nobody owns them other than China. What if like a wild panda were to wander into a different country? I don't know. I I haven't read enough about panda law, but now I'm kind of curious about it. I think there's a book. Do we have any lawyer friends? Maybe. We'll look into that. But, so, I mean, that's the thing. The Takenoko hits the theme pretty close to home. It's not that far from reality. This this concept of a panda being gifted to a foreign nation as a sort of gift to be like, look, this is incredibly important to us. This is a a, a sort of national symbol, a creature that we revere. So we're going to give this to you to show, like, this is some a very respectable offer. And America's like, what? <laughs> and, yeah, we were just more blown away by this really <laughs> silly, silly bear. Well, you want to give us a panda as a gift? Right. And then eventually you want to charge us to hold on to your panda. It's it's it's, it's really an interesting cool. concept. But we're going we're gonna to take a break here, actually. And when we get back, we're going to get into some of the the true oddities of of the panda. The goofy, goofy bear. Silly old bear. Do you enjoy fantasy? Does the detailed image of a wizard on the side of a van make you think, 
That could be me one day. Do you think a battle mace is an appropriate gift for a baby shower? Does your boss frown on your chainmail codpiece on casual Fridays? Is your name Smitimus? If you answered yes to any of the following, or are just looking for something fun to read, then you should check out Battlements. Battlements is a humorous fantasy comic filled with swords and sorcery, axes and anachronism, and battle maces and bears. Follow Shane, Hector, Jean, and Rail as they get into adventuring shenanigans all while trying to pay the rent. The comic updates every Thursday and is free to read at battlementscomic.com. Go check it out and be the wizard on the side of a van you were meant to be. And now we're back, and we're going to start talking about the water cycle of a panda. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I think so. Evaporation, condensation. Uh, so, no, actually, we're going to talk about what pandas eat. We mentioned before that 99% of their diet is bamboo. That's a lot of bamboo. However, these pandas' digestive system is a carnivorous digestive system. They don't have the multiple stomachs and the juices like cows do. So it's really confusing on why they're eating so much bamboo. I mean, we, we said it at the very beginning. They're bears. These are bears. And so they have a system that is similar to bears, mm-hmm. but just flat out refuse to eat like a bear. So scientists actually studied their bacteria and they realized that they started doing this, this just eating bamboo, two million years ago. So it's not entirely based on just people moving in and pushing pandas out of their territories because of cities, it's they changed automatically to start eating bamboo. They also found that their DNA actually mutated so they would not like the taste of umami, like like bacon and stuff and meat. So they actually stopped liking meat taste and started eating bamboo. And the, the taste of the meat actually stopped 4.2 million years ago. So these... These pandas have evolved to just eat bamboo. And the problem is it's not very nutritious. No, not at all. <laughs> like bamboo does not have a lot of nutritional value whatsoever. And so they have to eat an insane amount of bamboo to get the necessary nutrition to survive. Well, they're eating 20 to 30 pounds of bamboo shoots every day. It's constant. And when they're not eating, they're sleeping. <laughs> right. <laughs> their uh, there's their digestive systems are super streamlined too. So like they eating they're eating the stuff, they're taking out no nutritional value from it, and then it is getting ejected, Mike. Uh, National Geographic said they poop up to one hundred times a day. They even poop while they sleep. <laughs> it's forty pounds of poop approximately to That's... give you a cons a cons. <laughs> I mean Bamboo is fibrous. It's, it makes you regular, but I mean. But did you, I don't know if you looked up pictures of the pellets. You know, I didn't. most of it is, you didn't? You didn't like <laughs> Google panda poop? I didn't. Not this time. <laughs> so, like, if you look at panda poop, most of it is bamboo. It's just undigested bamboo. It just goes straight through the chute. The bamboo chute goes straight through the poop chute. Lots of chutes. So, like, we're talking about this this food that's barely getting digested. And like you said, they're eating this all the time. So, as a result, diet shapes behavior. And so they have very little energy to do much of anything other than to continue eating. They're not social creatures. They stick to themselves. They're very lethargic. They're sleeping all the time, like you said. 
means they're lonely. They don't go out and socialize. They won't even really climb a hill if they don't have to sort of situation. Communication, minimal. They just roll everywhere. They do, and they don't hibernate. We, you know, we, we, we think about bears here in the United States as hibernating during winter, and they kind of take this very long sleep. Well, pandas sleep all the time anyway, so they don't need a hibernation period. And actually, throughout the winter, they actually go to different pam- bamboo areas and forests to get different nutrients for the times they need to eat. Uh, however, most panda deaths happen in the wild during the winter because they freeze and they can't find any food. Yeah, they actually have to eat different kinds of bamboo. They can't eat the same strain mm-hmm. of bamboo. There's actually multiple species of bamboo. And so pandas are they're actually surprisingly aware of that. And so they do move around to make sure that they're at least eating a variety of bamboo instead of the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So we've covered eating. The other thing in life besides sleeping is reproducing. Reproducing. To put it nicely. <laughs> And that's weird because when pandas are out in the wild, they reproduce. That's how more pandas come. But when you put them in captivity, they don't want to at all. I think they're just like, I got a good thing going here. I don't need to be a parent. Yeah, they have zero interest in reproducing whatsoever. And so that prompts the zookeepers to do some pretty interesting things to try and get the pandas in the mood. What kind of interesting things, Spencer? Well, they have been shown, uh, it's been it's been demonstrated that they show videos of pandas mating. To Panda help, porn. Um, essentially, to try and get them in the mood, or they have even given male pandas the equivalent of Viagra to try and invigorate them and get them get them going. Uh, these These male pandas can get so lazy that some zookeepers have actually tried to get them to exercise by standing on their haunches and their hind legs and they'll uh they'll have apples as Mm. like like hey come get the apples (laughs) so they can exercise their legs because they sit around all day (laughs) so when they do reproduce when they actually do have a cub it's only one cub every two to three years and this is difficult because of their nutrition their nutrition is so low because they're only eating bamboo that it's tough for them to have this period and it's interesting that in the wild when they're actually when they have like a this incubation period the the egg won't be completely fertilized for months because what will happen is the mating season will be at one point in time and there won't be enough food for the mother to eat and so they've evolved Mm. to actually wait for this fertilized egg to actually go into the process of turning into a baby panda until they can kind of count on food exactly it's interesting i didn't know that That, that's really cool Mm -hmm. but it's it's (laughs) It's, it's even laziness it's evolved in their eggs and reproduction organs when they when they do decide to reproduce though there's a window a very small window of time in fact where i mean female pandas are only kind of ready and able to reproduce for about two to three days of the year, there's a window of time, and that only happens once per year. There's a very short period of time. And so, if the male pandas at the time are feeling especially lazy or just aren't feeling it, you're going to miss that window, which is a whole year of potential mating out the window. Like, you can't just go, we'll try it again next week. No, you'll try it again next year. (laughs) But, uh, so, to help that along, in 2009... 
the first artificial insemination was completed with using a panda. Uh, and that may be more consistent. Oh, and that might be a more consistent way of reproduction for pandas and how we can get more pandas out there in the world since that's what we want to do. Yeah, I mean, that that is probably the most reliable way of doing it since they just don't seem to want to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and since they're so malnourished, the babies, when they come out, they're super tiny. They're some of the tiniest in proportion to the mother being born. And they're, they're not marsupials, so they don't have, like, a pouch. The baby's just born, and it only weighs five ounces when it's born, and it's blind. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And it, it's basically unable to survive by itself for three years. Um, and even sometimes when a mother panda will give birth, it actually sometimes crush the baby, which is really sad. Uh, but that's another reason why there's not a lot of pandas in the world because they can't do it. <laughs> right. And, well, and so like you said, there's not a lot of pandas. That's why we're talking about reproduction in the first place is because – the panda is classified as a vulnerable species. It's not endangered, it's it's vulnerable, which means that a lot of their habitat is getting taken away. That has a negative impact on their numbers. There's poaching, starting with good old Teddy Roosevelt so long ago. Started a trend. So Westerners, you know, ever since introduced to this, this I mean, it's a beautiful pelt, and so that will incentivize outsiders to come in. But then also locally from China and the area around that, they... They do hunt it for poaching purposes. Uh, And then, yeah, they're really, really, really bad at mating. And so you combine those three things, and it's only a matter of time before this species just starts to slowly die off. But we just want to keep them alive (laughs) for whatever reason. And I I think we think it's our responsibility to keep these animals alive. Uh... But not everybody is as pleased as keeping them alive. Uh, Chris Packman, Packham, Packham, Chris Packham. Uh, he's an English naturalist. He is quoted saying, "I would eat the last panda if I could have all the money we've spent on panda conservation put back on the table for me to do more sensible things with." And the panda is possibly one of the grossest wastes of conservation money in the last half century. <laughs> And you might be wondering, who is this jerk? Who is this monster that would say these things? And he actually has done an incredible amount of work in conservation. He just focuses on other species, birds and bats and other things like that. So he's not just some guy, some armchair uh, armchair monster out there who's decided, eh, we don't need pandas anymore. He, he understands the concept of conservation. It's just... His quotes don't exactly, that, that's not a very popular opinion with, with pandas. Well, because they're so revered in China and and even here in, like, this part of the world, like, everyone thinks they're so cute and cuddly and they're such a symbol of cute and cuddly. Mm. And so people want to preserve that and not think about, they can they even survive on their own? Like, if we didn't intervene, they probably would die off. And they are close to dying off. So pandas, they're these goofy animals who for some reason are still living as as ridiculous as they are. Uh, and they don't even reproduce if they want to sometimes. And you have a great story uh, here 
that I'll let you tell, but it's it's kind of a ridiculous story. <laughs> it's a great way to represent what the panda is all about. So I, I saw this online recently. This is the story's about four years old. Twenty fourteen, panda in a zoo is going to be the first one ever to actually. They're gonna live broadcast the birth of its cubs. So it's a very exciting moment. Good, a panda's having a cub. That's enough reason to celebrate. But. We're going to show this to the world. Everyone's going to be able to witness this thing. Here's the problem. The panda isn't pregnant. How could they get it wrong? Right. The zoo was absolutely convinced that this panda is pregnant. And that's because it was faking it. (laughs) Pandas, as silly as we've described them, can be, they can be sharp. They can be clever. And they have seen that when a fellow panda at the zoo is pregnant, it gets some pretty sweet treatment. It gets all, like its private room. There's air conditioning in the room. gets more food. It gets different kinds of food. And so that's pretty cool. That's exciting. <laughs> so they fake it. They act really sluggish. Uh, and it appears that they're pregnant with the habits of changing the way they eat. Uh, and so... So one zoo in Scotland even said they can't be 100% sure one of the pandas is pregnant, is pregnant until it actually gives birth. Yeah, this this panda heist essentially got this one panda a pretty nice situation for a period of time. And now everybody's kind of on high alert, like, mm, are you actually pregnant right now? <laughs> I just think that's the perfect, perfect story to kind of represent the animal that we've talked about today. The, the panda in all of its glory. We've created a monster. We have, absolutely. <laughs> so that's the panda. Uh, you got anything else? That is all I've got. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening to Beyond the Board. If you liked what we did or if you have any questions, comments, or want to share your own panda stories, go ahead and send them to beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at goingbtb or at Games. And if you liked what we did, go and hit that subscribe button and you'll get a new episode every week. Uh, And you can always find us on our home on the web at whizbotgames.com. I love red pandas. You would. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening.